This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Good morning, everyone. Such a delight to see all of you today. Glad you can be with us, joining us here at church. And also, we want to welcome those of you that are watching online. We're uh, glad you can be a part of what's going on. We hope sometime that you can come be a part of the live service that we have here. Come visit, because praise God, there's nothing like live. Amen? Amen. Did you all bring a Bible with you this morning? Let's open our Bibles together to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah. And chapter uh, 2, I think. Maybe, yes. Nehemiah chapter 2. Praise God. We had such a great... uh, How many of you enjoyed uh, Faith Life Conference this year? Well, I tell you what, there was variety there, huh? Praise God. What a great, great uh, series of meetings that we had. So freeing, so much uh, good word, uh, a lot of ministry, great things that took place in people's lives. It was just... Well, it was just wonderful. So I just thank you for participating and being a part of all of that. And uh, uh, you're a real blessing, praise God, to us. And so we're glad that you could be a part of that. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. and We're going to pray, and then we're going to get into what I want to share with you today. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this privilege once again for us to gather in the name of Jesus. Father, you said in your word that when two or more gather in your name, you're in our midst. And so we thank you for your presence. As you see fit, Father, we make ourselves available to have your way in our lives. We open our hearts and our minds to you to speak to us today. We thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Lord God, for ministering to the needs that are represented in this service and these people. And also, Father, those that may be watching online. And we just thank you for your grace in all of our lives, Father. And may the will of God be done on earth just like it is in heaven for each and every one of us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Most of you probably at some time or another probably read through the book of Nehemiah, the story of his rebuilding the wall. And um, you'll notice that uh, in the beginning chapters of this particular book, uh, Nehemiah was actually very repentant uh, over uh, the disobedience and the sin of Israel. But he also recognized that they had kind of come full circle. And so when he looked upon Jerusalem that had been burned with fire and all the walls were tore down and everything, it just grieved his heart. And But he was the cupbearer for the king. And so he had an audience with him. The king asked what it is that he wanted to do. And he talked about rebuilding the walls. And he got favor from the king. And uh, the building was on. And so when he got papers and everything... uh, He took off toward Jerusalem, and in the middle of all of this, uh, he was mocked, he was scoffed at, Uh, they basically scorned the idea that the people of God would ever have a chance of rebuilding or restoring or having any dignity uh, for that matter. But nevertheless, they went. Now, I want to pick it up here. Uh, They had got to Jerusalem. He had brought some men with him. And then let's notice in verse... uh, 17, he, he, he got them together and he said, um, he said to them, you see the distress that we are in and how Jerusalem lies waste and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. 
You know, when you think about it, our lives outside of Jesus were just that, in distress, burned with fire, and just a wreck, broken down until Jesus came. Can you say amen? When he made it possible for you and I to be born of his spirit. In verse 18, it goes on then, it says, And then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. Now listen to this. And they said, Let us rise up and build. Everybody say, Rise up and build. In other words, they heard the word of the king. And in response to that word, they said, Let us rise up and build. And so they strengthened their uh, hands for this good work. And I want to liken that to, again, your personal lives. You know, before Christ Jesus, I think that all of us can attest to what kind of a wreck our lives really were. We didn't really know that until we come to grips with the fact that we were bound by sin, slaves to its dictates, and basically destroying our lives without even knowing it until we met him. And then all of a sudden the light came on. How many of you can attest that the light came on? And the Bible says we became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away, all things then become new. Hallelujah. And so it was from that point forward that we all had not only the privilege, but the opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. To do something with our lives that would be meaningful and fulfilling that we could take what it is that God had given to us and do something significant not only for our own benefit, but for the advancement of the kingdom of heaven. How many of you know that God is advancing his kingdom? And he has you as his subjects, and he invites you to be a part of that whole process. Now, it does take a, a, a commitment. It does take some dedication. It does take some resolve. But I tell you what, God's got great things in store for each and every one of us. If you were listening to Pastor Monty during the week, I mean, he talked a little bit about heaven in the description that he gave. It's like, we have no idea what it is that's coming our way. But I can tell you this much about it. It's exciting. Well, you know, we're not there yet. We're still here. And so there's things that God has planned for us in this life as well. But again, notice that when they heard what the king said, they together said, let us rise up and build. And the reason I want to make that important point to you this morning is, is because a lot of times when it comes to Christians' lives, they're waiting on God. And guess what? God's waiting on you. There are things that Jesus accomplished for you and I that have been accomplished for the purpose of you and I to be able to walk in the light thereof and enjoy. The Bible, for example, tells us that you and I, that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. So he's not going to redeem us. Thank God we are redeemed. But a lot of folk, they don't act redeemed. They don't think like they're redeemed. They don't even talk like they're redeemed. They still talk about, you know, their problems and all the things that are going wrong and how, you know, this and that and the other. But, you know, praise God, you know, when Jesus went to the cross and died, he moved your life from the lost side to the winning side. Are you listening? And from the victim side to the victor's side. So it's important for us. That's why, you know, when Paul was writing in Romans 12 and verse 2, he said not to be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, he just said, you got to change the way that you think. 
Life isn't the way it used to be. Everybody say, thank God. But rather, thank God there is a place that he's called us to that he wants us to walk in. But again, there has to be movement. Everybody say movement. Movement. They said, let us rise and build. And they strengthened their hands and they got after it. In 52 days, they built that wall. And everybody around them mocked them and said they'd never be able to do it. But I tell you what, when they were on the back side of it, there wasn't no mocking going on. Huh? I mean, God wants to do some supernatural things in your life. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 12. Let's look at another verse of Scripture here. Proverbs, the 12th chapter. You're there close by. Notice what it says here in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 24. It says, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. How many of you believe the Bible's true? How many of you believe that what the Bible says is true? Now, the Bible says that Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. And he penned these various proverbs so that you and I would be able to not only look at them, but also realize the value that's in them. So when he makes his statement, 24, that the hand of the diligent shall bear rule, and yet the one who is slothful shall be under tribute, how many of you believe that's true? So in other words, what I'm saying to you is, is a lot of times, again, I come back to this point, that sometimes Christians are waiting for God to do something in their lives. They're waiting for someone to do something for you. But you know, the Bible is not real keen and excited about the people that are slothful. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Are you listening to me? I was just talking to a guy, oh, it's been some time back, you know, and we were just getting acquainted and we were visiting about this and that and the other, and uh, he was retired, and that was fine, you know, no problem, you know. And so basically, at his own admission, he says, you know, I don't do too much. He says, he says matter of fact, I'm kind of lazy. And I thought to myself, well, la-di-da, you know. And I guess if that's, you know, if you're good with that, you want to hang with Sid the Sloth, then you could do that. I mean, that's great. But yet, right on the other hand, I believe that God intended for all of us to be productive, I believe that God intended that you and I would experience achievement within our life. I think it is inherently built within the DNA of a person to accomplish and to do things. You know, I mean, if it's, you know, a, a young girl who grows up into maturity and, and begins thinking about and dreaming about and musing about the possibility of having a family and being a mother and, you know, raising children and, the, you know, all of those things, it's godly, it's righteous, it's, it's just, it's good. And the same thing would be with a man and, you know, becoming a father and raising sons and daughters and all of these different kinds of things. God did not create you and I so that we could just sit on a stump. Okay, it's going tough, honey. That's all I can tell you right now. Here's another verse of, or the same uh, verse of Scripture out of the uh, uh, English Standard Version. It says, the hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Another translation says, work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. You know, a lot of people don't get to enjoy some of the things in life that could be available to them because they don't want to really put much effort into what it is that, you know, God affords them to be able to experience. Are you with me? You know, it takes work. I mean, that's all there is to it. I entitled this, this message, There's Always Something You Can Do, you know. 
And, and it really is true. I don't know uh, how you think about that. Proverbs 10 and 4 says this, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Hallelujah. Now, if God didn't want us to have anything, why is he putting this stuff in the Bible? It, goes, it stands to reason that if a person begins to embrace and practice or exercise diligence, that there is a predictable result that will come from that, that they, as the scriptures say, will become rich. In other words, they'll have an abundance or there'll be substance within their house. Are, are you with me? And, and again, you know, the church has been hoodwinked, I think, because for so many years, especially in Pentecostal circles, you know, uh, <clears throat> we were, uh, well, I guess you, like I said, hoodwinked into thinking, you know, that somehow or another godliness is, is attributed to not having anything. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. And, you know, when it comes to the kingdom of heaven and when it comes to the support of those things that are going on within the kingdom of God, it takes money. This building just didn't magically appear. A whole bunch of people put their hand to the plow, and they saved, and they gave, and a million and a half dollars later, guess what? We had a building. Are you listening to me? Are you with me? You know, so, so uh, if, if in fact God didn't want you to have anything, well, you'd be sitting, I don't know, out in the cold. What's the temperature this morning, honey? She doesn't know. Okay. But it'd be chilly. Are you listening? How many of you like air conditioning? How many of you like heat? How many of you like them soft pews? Those are the best pews in all the country. I mean, we scoured this country. Those are the best pews you can buy. Because I wanted your derriere to be so comfortable. Are you listening to me? I think they come out of Utah or someplace, if I remember correctly. But you can't do that if you don't have anything. Are you with me? So, again, it says, a slack hand causes poverty. And, and you know, what we see happening right now with people um, is so demonic, where you don't have to do anything, you don't have to work, we're going to give you money. You, you have no idea what it is that's going on in the lives of people that think that that is the way for them to be able to live. Because the Bible makes it clear that sooner or later, they're going to end up becoming a slave. Are you listening to me? I didn't write it. You know, so for all the accoutrements and things, you know, that are being offered to people so that they don't have to do anything, uh, I got news for you. There is a future before them that is not very bright, and they just don't know it. So the more that you and I can tell them the truth, the better off we'll be. Glory to God. So there's always something you can do. Everybody say do. You know, if you want to do something, then praise God. You know, the thing about it is a lot of people, they talk about this. They talk about it. They rejoice in whatever and whatever, but they ha you have to do it. Are you with me? And if you don't do it, then, you know, um, it doesn't get done. There's always something you can do. Now, you know, in my own personal life, <clears throat> in my, the domestic affairs of life, I have the things that I want to do. And then I have the things that she wants me to do. Guys, do you have any things that she wants you to do? Huh? You know, I mean, you can be minding your own business, drinking a cup of coffee, just having a big time, and all of a sudden a list appears. Am I in the right house? And, and if, you, if you have a clue, you're going to realize those should be a priority. 
okay? Because it can be most helpful. But you know, I always make a list and, and, um, and then I have my priorities and things you know that I have to do. And one of my little habits that I have is I always do the things that I don't want to do first. Any of you have things you don't want to do, but they have to be done anyway? So you do those first so that the other ones can be like a treat, you know? And uh, I don't know if you'd call them a treat or not, but, you know. But when you're doing these things, there are times, you know, when you, you come to a place where you don't have what it is that you need to finish it or something of that nature. And so a lot of folk will say, well, ain't got what I need. Guess I'll go in the house, you know, and just kind of kick back and uh, relax. No, no. No, there are other things that you could do. Just move on. Am I in the right house? Yeah, amen. I'm trying to, you know, they, they tell you, you know, when you preach, you're supposed to preach something, you know, that's relevant. So I, I think you're getting this because we all live in this kind of circumstance, I guess you would call it. So in other words, in other words, I guess this, you know, when you experience a roadblock, it doesn't mean that there isn't something else that you can do. Well, the same thing is true spiritually. You know, well, you know, I've, I've done, I don't know why God's not answering my prayers. I don't know why God's not moving in this situation, you know, or whatever. Well, that may be true. But certainly or surely there's something else that can be done in the meantime. Are you listening to me? Because, you know, the reality is, is that while there might not be anything that you can do here, there are other things over here that you can. And what it really does is it positions you and gets you into a place, praise God, so that when that is ready, baby, you're way ahead of the game. But you have to keep moving in the purposes and plans that God has for you. So on the road to the will of God for our lives, there has to be movement on our part. Hallelujah. And what I'm trying to do is to address the subtle deception that many Christians fall prey into by thinking that there's nothing to do or to change the situation until God does something. Okay? I can do something. You know, in other words, for example, I want my, my family life to be better. <clears throat> well, God, I sure wish you would go to work on her and get her straightened out. Because if you do that, then life would be better. I'm waiting. You know? Well, guess what? While you're waiting there, hot rod, maybe there are some scriptures in the Bible that would have a, a personal application to your own life. Like, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So in other words, we might ask ourselves, when's the last time that I put my spouse first? Hmm. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, you know, everybody wants a, a house that's filled with love and peace and joy. But the reality is, is that I have my part to play. She has her part to play. You know, and if we work hard to do what it is that each of us need to do, we have a blast. Are you listening to me? And so can you, you know. But again, you know, you got to get away from the idea, you know, that somebody else is supposed to do something for your happiness. Listen, nobody owes you anything. Still glad you came? You know, it, it, it is imperative 
it is um, absolutely important that these truths get into the mind of people. Because you have to understand, it's in the water you drink. It's in the air that you breathe, that everybody owes you something and that you're not responsible for anything and it's all about you. Well, guess what? It's not. And so people end up becoming very unhappy. They become angry. You see all the hatred and everything that's going on in the world. Selfishness breeds hatred. And that's what you're seeing happen, you know? So don't fall prey to that. Don't let that be the path in which you go down or the way that you think. Change the way that you think. Praise God. Say to yourself, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what, he, what men can do to me. Praise God. He made me the head, not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he's strengthening me, praise God, to be able to do whatever it is that I need to do in order to enjoy life and life more abundant. Glory to God. Stop listening to your body. You know, your body, I mean, it's got a voice. And it has desires. And that's all well and good as long as they conform to where it is you and I are going. Come on. And so, <laughs> praise the Lord. I sure hope you're enjoying this. Glory to God. It's as much for me as it is you. But too many Christians are waiting on God or waiting for God to do something when he's waiting on them. And when we don't act upon what we know, we become slaves to our existing circumstance. Well, I, I, there's nothing I can do. That's not true. I don't know what it is, but there's something you can be doing. Are you listening to me? You know, well, I'm just stuck, you know, whatever. You're not stuck. There are options available to you. You know, the widow woman in the Old Testament, she said, you know, when the prophet came to her, when the prophet came to her, um, you know, uh, he said, make me something to eat. She said, I ain't got nothing but a couple sticks. I got a little of this and that. I'm going to prepare it. And my son and I are going to eat it, and then we're going to die. Now, that's a pretty hopeless circumstance, isn't it? And the prophet said, you know, get after it, do it, do what I told you, and that meal of barrel won't, you know, ex uh, expire, neither will the cruise of oil, and God will prepare or provide for us. Hallelujah. Amen? Now, you know, so part of that whole thing is, is what do you have in your house? That's what the prophet said. I missed that part. What do you have? Well, I don't have nothing. Yeah, you do you got a lot of things that you could be doing. Sometimes, and this is a simple, practical application, you know, people, you know, they talk about their vehicles, and, and maybe this isn't a circumstance that you have, but a lot of times, you know, they, they, um, they, they talk about their vehicle being such a piece of junk, you know, and this and that and the other, and I need a new car, but you don't have the resources to be able to buy a car. So my suggestion to you is, my friend, you better take care of the horse that you're presently riding. But people don't do that. You know, they won't clean it up. They won't maintain it. They won't take care of it. You know, it's just a piece of junk. I just don't even, you know, want to have anything to do with it. Well, you made it that way. Thanks for your enthusiasm. <clears throat> you made it that way. Clean the thing up. You know, well, it's just this, it's that. It's all you got. So you better take care of what you got. Are you listening to me? 
and then get a plan so that you can put some stuff away or money or resource or whatever so you can get a different horse. Quit blaming everybody else. Boy, this is a powerful message this morning, isn't it? (laughs) Hallelujah. You know, we live in a world, we live in a land of abundance. We live in a land of plenty. And people will say, well, you just don't know the hardship I'm having. And, and that may be true. I may not be able to, 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 to relate. Uh, I, I have been able to relate, okay? I know all about it. And my wife and I started out with nothing. But I can tell you this much about it, praise God. If you'll put your hand to the things that need to be done, God will take that little bit and make much from it. How many of you believe that this morning? Praise God. Well, about six of you do. Okay. Well, let's go on reading. Hallelujah. When we don't act upon what we know, we became slaves to our existing circumstance. Remember the four lepers uh, there in 2 Kings chapter 3? We don't have time. There was this famine. There was, I mean, drought. People were dying. And, you know, this, I think, is where the argument was made where two women had children Two women had children, and one of them sacrificed a child so the two of them could eat. Well, then when that was gone, think about that. Can you imagine a condition or a situation being that dire? Well, then when it came time for the other child, you know, the the mother said, no way. That's that's dire. And, uh, And the thing about it is, you say, well, how in the world do things get in such a mess as that? Sin. It's sin. It's disobedience to God. It's transgression. All the stuff that you see going on in the world right now is because of sin. Are you with me? You know, our country is imploding because of what? Sin. What is the answer? Repentance. And and that is the only answer that there is to everything that's going on within them. But people are so arrogant and so proud and greedy Greed drives behaviors everywhere. Are you listening to me? And so people, you know, they can't understand, you know, well, we live in a, in a godly country. I don't know that you can necessarily say that. I think you can say that there are godly people in this country, but we've slid a long ways, baby. Huh? Is there hope? Yeah, there's hope. You and I are the light of the world and we're the salt of the earth. So thank God we can be the people who preserve or bring light. (coughs) Excuse me. But it's important for us to understand that, you know, we have to do these things in a way that is uh, honorable. Anyway, there was these four lepers. And they're in this famine. And they're sitting outside the gate because that's where they were, um, uh, what would you say, That's where they were told to go. You're outside because you're leprous. And they're sitting there and all this is going on. They're dying uh, uh, of malnutrition and starvation. And and this is what they said. They made this statement. They said there were four uh, lepers at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? I'd like to ask you that question this morning too for your own personal life, your own spiritual life. Why are you just sitting there until you die? Well, I'm waiting on God. God's waiting on you. 
Are you with me? You say, well, I don't know what to do. Well, then maybe it's time for us to seek God. Maybe it's time to pray. Maybe it's time to read the Bible and find out what it is that he would have us to be doing and let the Holy Spirit talk to you so that you can start doing what it is that God wants you to do. Can I get a witness? Listen, you are not without hope. You're not without help. There is a God in heaven that stands ready to do things for you, with you, and in you that can bring about change in your life. So praise God, you don't have to have a sad song. You don't have to, you know, be all this and that and the other and all beat down and worn out and, you know, beat up and busted and broke or none of that. Aren't you glad this morning? Praise God. Change can come. You say, well, how long will it take? It doesn't matter how long it takes. You do whatever it takes to do what it is you need to do so that it can happen. This summer, we needed a new deck. Actually, we needed a new deck three years ago. So it got to the point where there was a place on the deck you didn't want to walk. So it's time. Well, unfortunately, our timing was bad. Matter of fact, I built this berm the year before uh, out, you know, so I could have some landscaping to the south of our property and things like that. And when I got all done, it, it actually ended up yeah, costing some money to put it. You know, they don't give those shrubs and trees away. Did you notice that? So when it was all, all said and done, Joan, she says, well, so honey, uh, so all that out there, that, that's our deck. And I said, yeah, well, maybe. That was last year. And we get to this year, and prices are out the roof. I mean, these people are wanting like $100 a board. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, you got to be kidding me. Well, anyway, so we, we, we get all the material put together, you know, the material list, and, and the lumber yard brings it out, and it's a little stack. It's about, you know, that tall, maybe this wide, and 20 feet long. And it's $12,000, you know. And I'm looking at that. And I'm trying to figure out how in the world could that be? Well, so as a result, you know, we had a budget for our deck, and we just burned it all, and then some. So I told Joan, I said, baby, I, I think we have a summer project. And so she and I, you know, I mean, she was a trooper. We went out there, man, and we started redoing this deck. Now, did I want to do that? No. Did she want to do that? Not so much, but she was a trooper. And we went out there, you know, we got everything put together, and it, and it turned into a summer project. And I got to tell you, it got hot this summer. How many of you noticed that? And there were times when she didn't want to be there, and I didn't want to be there. And we were not necessarily having a lot of fun. <laughs> Are you with me? But you know, it's in those moments when you're not having fun and it's taking longer than you think and you've you got to do it right, don't you, Bill? I mean, you can't cut corners. You've got to do it right. Well, I would say, I don't know, uh, that was, we started in May and I think we got done, what, honey, 30 days ago? Last week. Last week, she says. <clears throat> now, are there other ways to do it? Sure there are. 
You know, but I'm just telling you that, you know, sometimes when you set out to do things, again, it does take longer than you think, but you have to arm yourself with the attitude, listen, we're going to stay the course, we're going to work on these kids, we're going to make sure that we're pouring into their lives, that we're investing in them, that we're watching over them, that we're making sure that they're going down the path we want them to go. Yes, it's work. It can be wearisome. All of these things are associated with what it is that I'm talking about. But that's why the Bible says not to be weary in well-doing. <coughs> because you're going to reap if you don't faint. Huh? You know, thank God the woman never, you know, threw down the hammer and walked off the job. She just stayed right with it. Praise God. I put a screw gun in her hand and I said, go, baby, go. And she did. Stayed right with it. Stayed right with it. Stayed right with it. Stayed right with it. Same thing's true with your spiritual life. Am I in the right house? Praise God. So they said, why do we sit here till we die? Well, they went in and all kinds of food was available. Israel's exodus from Egypt is another example. When they were moving, they got to the place where they came up against the Red Sea. Remember that? And the Egyptians were behind them, the Red Sea's in front of them. They got no place to go. They're all hemmed in. And you know, the Bible says that God spoke to Moses. He said, why are you whining to me? Tell the people to move forward. And then he told him to take his staff and he stuck it out over there and he parted the waters and away they went. Move forward. Hallelujah. There's always something sometimes that we can't see that we need to do. David is another example at Ziklag. I'm talking to you about an attitude that you have to develop as a child of God when it comes to your personal life. Because, you know, David's out on this military campaign. He's down in the wrong place with the Philistines. And they said, we're not going to let this guy fight with us because we'll get in the middle of the battle and he'll turn on us and then we'll be in trouble. Send him home. So he's on his way home, three days' journey, and while they're on their way, they see all of a sudden this plume of smoke and all of these different kinds of things, and it's the city where they were staying and living called Ziklag. They went there, the whole place was burned with fire, Every, all of their possessions were taken, and all of their family, members, their wives and their children were gone. Now that's kind of discouraging, isn't it? Not to mention the fact you just, you know, you know, hauled tail for three days to get back home only to discover there's nothing left. And then when everybody else recognized what had happened, then they started to turn on David. And they decided, you know, we ought to stone him because if we would have been here protecting our, our family and possessions, none of this would have happened. And he had us out there traipsing around all over the place to no avail. Are you with me? I mean, this is the way that people think, you know. And so... I, wanna, I want you to think about this with me because the Bible says that David was much distressed or discouraged, and yet the Bible says that David did something. You know, in other words, he could have said, you're right, man, I'm a knothead. Just go ahead and get as many rocks as you need. Let's just get it done. He didn't do that. 
The Bible says that he uh, asked for Abiathar to bring the linen ephod, and he began to seek the Lord in his distress. Seek the Lord in his discouragement. Why? Because he was not praying a prayer. Listen to this now. He was not praying a prayer of resignation. He was praying a prayer for recovery. So when you get into a mess and you got a problem, it isn't, you know, that you just resign, well, Lord, maybe this is your way, you know, to try to teach me something. And, you know, I'm just trying to figure it out. What is it that you want me to learn? A lot of people do that. Then they just roll over and play dead and nothing ever happens. Am I in the right house? You know, the Bible says that Jesus came to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. We don't go backwards, we go forward. Are you with me? We use setbacks as stepping stones to move up. Are you with me? And if you don't adopt this kind of an attitude, my friend, praise God, the world will roll over you. Are you with me? You say, well, that's not very Christian-like. Oh, yeah, it's very much Christian. Look at these guys. Read the stories. They didn't lay down and play dead. So in the scriptures, it says that he inquired of the Lord, and he said, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Now, my friend, that's encouragement. But bear in mind, just got back from a three-day trek, they're out on this military campaign. They're all wore out. They don't, you know, they're tired. And so he tells them what to do, and they take off. Well, the Bible tells us they got about halfway out there, and uh, was there, what, 200 of them that were so exhausted they couldn't go any further? He said, well, you stay here with the stuff, and the, and the rest of us will go. And so they kept on going. I said, they kept on going. I said, they kept on going. I said, they kept on going. And you know, sometimes you don't feel like keeping on going, but sometimes that's exactly what you have to do in order to get where it is that you're going. God promised and said that without fail, you will recover all, but that, you know, you got to keep going in order for that to become a reality. Are you with me? Make it up in your mind right now that if you're having problems in your marriage, that you're going to get it right, that you're going to get it fixed. Are you listening to me? Don't listen to the subtle voice that's saying, yeah, you know, I think probably we've done all we can do, or I don't, it doesn't look like it's ever. Don't even entertain that nonsense. Did you hear me? I'm telling you, you need to fight for what it is that God has entrusted you with. You say, yeah, but it's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. But figure it out. Are you with me? It's so easy these days for people to bail. Now, I realize that people's behavior these days is also pretty funky sometimes. But I tell you what, if you're two children of God, there's a reason for you to get this right. And you might have to fight about it. Not, not about it. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Fight for it. Ooh. <laughs> Did you hear what the pastor said? He said, man, go for it, you know? No. 
See, David's prayer wasn't, like I said, a prayer of resignation. It was a prayer for recovery. God, we need recovery. We need help. And praise God, he would show you. You know, James chapter 1 verse, uh, well, let's look at it. James 1, 22. <clears throat> let's start with verse 21. The writer here, James, is writing. He says, so or wherefore lay aside or apart every, uh, all filthiness or moral filth and superfluity of naughtiness. <laughs> I'm sure most of us don't get that. Uh, evil. So get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent among us. It's prevalent. People morally are so corrupt, they don't know who they are. They can't even figure out whether they're a male or female. Are you listening to me? And the last time I checked, if you just kind of, you know, do a little study in anatomy, it does not take long to figure that out. Mine the right house. So we're living in it. So it says to lay those things aside and receive with meekness the engrafted word that's able to save your soul. But be a doer of the word. Everybody say doer. Yeah, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like unto a man that beholds himself or his natural face in a mirror. He beholds himself, he goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man or woman is going to be what? Blessed. How many of you want to be blessed? The blessing of God comes by being a doer of the word. Blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of a sinner or sits in the seat of the scornful, but rather his delight is in the law of the Lord and in it he meditates day and night. He's going to end up being like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not wither, and whatever it does, or he, she, or whoever, will prosper. And it's all contingent on what you and I do with the Word. Are we practicing the Word? You know, I, I made reference to this scripture earlier, you know, about putting, a, putting aside, lay aside all of the moral filth and, and evil that's so prevalent. You know, you can't live with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. It doesn't work. You know, the Bible talks about perfecting holiness, you know, within our lives. And to live righteously before God. Not playing some kind of weird game, you know, justifying behavior because that's what you want, instead of listening to what the Bible has to say. He said that, he said, but be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Listen, deceiving your own self. You know, <laughs> I remember there was a guy years ago, he said, uh, he made the statement, he says, you can and will justify anything that you're controlled by. You know, if we want certain things, then if we're not careful, we'll end up with that thing. But you know what? Praise God, it may not be very righteous. Amen? You know, David, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. It was supposed to be when kings go to war. He was supposed to be out on the battlefield, and yet, instead, he was at the palace. And then he looks upon Bathsheba, and you know the rest of the story. Are you with me? 
So sometimes, you know, we're just not where we need to be. Don't go out and, you know, some people, Christians, they'll end up in bars or they'll be, you know, in these different places. You don't belong there. I can tell you that right now. Now, you might think it's all right and what's the harm and whatever the case might be. Well, number one, there's devils in those bars. You say devils. Yeah, devils. I don't know how come me to get off on this. Dear Jesus, start the car. Come on. You know, I mean, you know, but the thing about it is, is you, you have to <clears throat> tell people the truth. Don't go in them bars, man. They're full of devils. You know, and there are people that are in there that are influenced by the devil. And you walk in there and they see you and they go, you know, I kind of like that. I'm going after it. And they start doing it. And you like being gone after because things ain't so good at home. Nobody's going after you at home. So if somebody shows you a little, or it can happen at work. Huh? Like I said, you know, they tell you one of the things that's important to do is make your message relevant. That's right. Somebody you know, you have a gal. She's in a bad relationship. She ain't getting no love. She ain't feeling no love. I'll tell you what's going to happen. She's going after it somewhere else. Huh? So you better take your stand, dear friend, and say, look, you're looking in the wrong spot here, baby. Sorry for whatever it is going on in your life, but not my circus and not my monkeys. So get thee behind me. Because she'll destroy your life, and you'll just think it's all so wonderful. No, it won't be wonderful. Woo! Glory to God, what a preaching deal this is. Yeah. It's to be regretted that things like this happen in people's lives. But I tell you what, praise God, there is a plan and a purpose that God has for you that's blessed. Now, let me say this. Let me give you a disclaimer. If, in fact, you are a part of something like that within your life, I'm not here to condemn you. But what I am here to say is, is we're, you know, if you're moving forward, don't do it again. And people do it all the time. They're in and out of relationships, you know. Well, this ain't the one, this ain't the one, this ain't. Well, you, hell is out to destroy our families. Did you hear me? And with some degree of success, it has occurred. They want to redefine what a family is. Well, a family is between a man and a woman, and they have children. That's a family. You say, yeah, but I know these other families. And I'm not here to debate all of that. I'm just trying to give you the broad uh, stroke of the brush to see what it is that's going on so that you don't fall victim to these circumstances. Are you listening to me? And whatever it is that you now possess, then you need to cherish it. You need to protect it. You need to build it. You need to grow it. You need to, you know, ask for God's blessing on it so that you can live and enjoy the life that Jesus came to give you. Can you say amen? amen? So fight for it. Hallelujah. Let us arise and build. Glory to God. Well, you know, I'm just waiting. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about that too. How many of you are still glad you came? Amen. The thing that uh, <clears throat> can help us, like I said, you know, in the Christian community, we have a lot of people that talk about the word. Oh, they're full of the word. They're talking the word. They're talking the word. They're talking the word. But they don't do nothing. 
They rejoice in the Word. Whoa, how we love the Word. You know? But what we're really after here is doers. Everybody say doers. Doers of the Word. You know, I find that most people that are doers of the Word don't do a lot of talking. You know why? Because they're doing. Huh? So we need some doers. And it's the doers, praise God, the Bible says, that get blessed. Glory to God. There's a lot of other scriptures that I could share with you this morning. But uh, uh, I need to uh, come to some kind of a conclusion here as we move toward the end of the service here. Hallelujah. Now let's do Proverbs chapter 4. Can you go back there with me? Fourth chapter of Proverbs. You're familiar with these scriptures, but look at them with me one more time. Proverbs 4 and verse 20. My son or daughter. What's that next word? Do what? Attend. Attend to my words. Glory to God. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are what? Life to those that find them. And what? Health to all their flesh. Keep or guard your heart for, with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. What am I trying to say in sharing this scripture with you? Let's make the Bible a priority. I want to I challenge you today to make the Word of God a priority. You say, well, what do you mean by that? In other words, where you are uh, consistently and regularly exposing yourself to the Bible. You say, well, I don't have time for that. Well, uh, you want to get some stuff fixed in your life? Maybe we need to make time. Huh? See, the Bible says to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, abundantly. You know? And, and here's the thing about the Word. Now, don't, I don't understand this, but the Bible says that the Word is a living thing. It says it's alive and powerful. And so, somehow or another... When you get full of the Word of God, it sustains you. It, it keeps you. It, it, you know, when you're walking up against something, you're facing a challenge or a temptation comes your way, all of a sudden that Word comes to fortify you and say, no, 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 we're not, no, uh-uh, we're not doing that. In other words, it's really not an effort on your, you're not, you're not fighting alone. Let's put it that way. When the Word of God is in you, and it's full, you're full, then praise God, you can stave off the temptation to be angry. You can stave off the temptation to get in strife. You could just say, no, no, praise God, the light of God's word is showing me right now that this is not what I want to be doing, I'm out. Are you with me? It literally will do that for you as a child of God and keep you out of the fray. How many of you want to stay out of the fray? I don't know about you, but nobody, as far as I could tell, unless you're just like warped, you know, nobody likes to get, you know, all mean and ugly and act like it for three days. Does that make cheery at home? Huh? I ain't talking to you. You know? You say, you've been to our house? No, I don't have to go to your house, man. Hallelujah. People all the time, it's amazing to me, people all the time say, 
You know, man, he was talking to me. I, he was, you know, I think he's got a camera at the house, you know. No, I don't need to. We're human, you know. But thank God we can live a different way. That's all I'm saying. And I tell you what, God wants you to live a different way, man. You just got to say no to some of the things, you know, that, that trip you up. You say, well, we, it's been this way all our life. Well, stop it. Why does it have to keep going? The only reason it, ha- it keeps going is because you will it to do so. Well, I can't do anything about that. Yeah, you can. You just don't want to. Well, that's going to take some work. Yeah, it is. Huh? Wow, this is, I don't know, maybe you're thinking about cheeseburgers and french fries right now. They're really going to be good after this is all over, isn't it? Hallelujah. Amen. God wants the best for us. Now's not the time to slow up. Now's the time to put your foot on the accelerator where your life is concerned to enjoy all that, that heaven has for you. Amen. So if you want to see changes occur within your life, like I said, there's got to be Movement. I'm going to give you three things that causes hindrance to movement real quickly. One of the greatest enemies to progress in our life is procrastination. Any of you have a problem with that? Don't raise your hand. Just, just think about it with me. Procrastination. Yeah, I know I should. Yeah, I probably ought to do that. Probably not now. Maybe later. You know. Well, guess what? A lot of times... Um, later never comes. I know I should tell her I'm sorry, but I don't want to. It's not about what you want. Or him. That works both ways. You know? Who's going to be the first one to put down their, their rocks? You know? That's what you want to ask. Be the hero, man. Surrender. Put them down. Say you're sorry. Yeah, but uh, who are you listening to? I said, put it down and say you're sorry. Sooner rather than later. Forty-some years of ministry, I've watched it happen. It's sad, but all of a sudden... The gal says, I'm done. And the guy, God is my witness, the guy will go, what? What? You know? I mean, just, just like that? You, you, just like that? That's how clueless we are sometimes. It's been going on forever. And they don't know it. There are things that should have been done that weren't done. And, you know, yeah, 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 well, you know, I'm just busy. You know, I'm busy, I'm busy. And we put it off, we put it off, we don't take care of it. And then we end up in a bad spot. It's to be regretted. Are you listening to me? Gets quiet when you talk about things like this. But it's where people live. I've watched people live together for 20-some years. Then all of a sudden, one day, they say, I'm done. I still have some of my life left. I remember this, this one situation where they said, you know, I'm still young enough to have a life, and I'm not doing this anymore. 
and I'm out. And the other party in the situation was so stinking clueless and never did take responsibility for it. Oh, it's not my fault. I don't know. You know, she just left. I mean, you know, what am I supposed to do? I mean, well, if it wasn't all about you, Bubba, you wouldn't be in this situation. And that's what it was. You know, people go to divorce courts because they're selfish. I think I'm making it worse. What do you, my wife, she's got this grimace like, mm -hmm. you know, we're, by, we're, we're about at the end. Would you, would, you, would you end on a happy point? <laughs> I think sometimes, you know, we need, we, we, I think it's important to be brutally honest sometimes with people. If nothing else, you know, I mean, if it's, if it's the big log, you know, that falls down in the middle of the road to stop you from driving off the cliff, then so be it. But, but you have to do something. You say, well, I don't know what to do. You're not the only person that's been there. Go find someone that you can talk to, that you can trust, you know, and have them help you or partner together with you at least and maybe try to, try to uh, help you. So... Don't be, a, don't be a procrastinator. Another enemy is fear. I, uh, fear is so dominant today, you guys. Listen to me. God has not given... We're talking about things that hinder us. But God has not given you the spirit of fear. And you need to fight it. Are you with me? This whole thing that we just got done going through was driven by fear. Are you with me? doesn't mean that the virus and all other things was not real, but how we respond. Are you with me? Okay? And even now, you know, I mean, it's such a dead horse, but they're still beating it, you know? And, and the thing again, you know, it's just like Pastor Monty was saying, he asked me if it was all right if, you know, he made the statement, but I said, sure. He said, it isn't about anything other than control, you know? <clears throat> so God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Let's, let's, uh, uh, let's, let's look at one final verse of Scripture. And it's a good one, so you can all get happy, okay? Let's look at Psalm 91 here. Hallelujah. And we'll try to bring this to a close. You're probably sitting there thinking, you know, the last thing I'm going to do is go counsel with that guy. Well, you know, the Bible says you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Huh? And glory to God. Mm. Psalm 91. We've, we've parked here quite a few times, but I want to do it again. Now, listen. I want you to say this with me. I'm the person in Psalm 91. Say it one more time. I'm the person in Psalm 91. So look what it says here. He, everybody say, that's me. Yeah, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. What are you going to say? He is my refuge 
and my fortress, my God, and in him will I trust. I will say of the Lord, is that what we've been saying? If it isn't, change it. Start saying it. Are you listening to me? You know, when it comes to whatever reports you get, praise God, you just get Psalm 91 verse 2 and say, He's my refuge and my strength, hallelujah, or my fortress. My God, in Him do I trust. Notice what it says in 3. Surely, surely, everybody say surely. Yeah, surely, He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and the noisome pestilence, and He'll cover you with His feathers and under your wings you... Uh, His wings you shall trust. Now listen, His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Well, you say, well, what's His truth say? His truth says the Lord's on your side. His truth says if God be for you, who can be against you? Huh? You know, His truth says that He takes up for you in your battles. Praise God, He goes before you and makes a way where there is no way. His truth says, praise God, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. His truth says you're more than a conqueror through him that loved you. Amen? But the devil is forever trying to discourage people, get them into fear, procrastination. Don't do it now. Action is what brings about change in our lives. Can you say amen? I'm so glad right now, you know, that I can walk out on the back porch or the back deck of my place and I can cook me a steak or a hamburger, glory to God, and I'm not going to fall through the floor. (laughs) You know, but it took us five and a half months to do that. Are you listening to me? Well, the same thing's true with your life spiritually. It may not happen overnight, but I guarantee you, praise God, if you'll just begin to apply, put these things, work, you know, and especially in a, you know, a family situation, work together to make this, you know, set aside some time. This is our time. Are you with me? And do some of these things, praise God, and I guarantee you that your life will, I guarantee you that your life will change. You know, there's, well, I, 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 Enough, 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 enough. I've said all I need to say. Hallelujah, I could go on for a long time. Amen. And you wouldn't, well, never mind, doesn't matter. Let's all stand. Shh, that's it. That's a good note, right? Yeah, amen. Praise God. Um, Grab the hand of your spouse. Now, if your spouse isn't here, don't, don't grab somebody else's. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you so very much for every home, for every family, and every couple that's represented within our church, and even those, Father, that may be watching online. And Father, you're the one that formed us. You're the one that has brought us together. And God, you're the one that desires to bless our lives as we come in and as we go out. So, Father, we pray for families. We pray for homes. We pray for relationships in this service today, Father. And, God, my prayer is is that being armed with what they've heard, that they'll take these things that they've heard and not just be hearers only, but doers thereof also. That, Father God, there will be apologies that are made, that there will be commitments that are made, that there'll be things that are in their life taken out that take away from what it is you desire to do in that life or in that family or in that relationship. Father God, I thank you for action and movement 
on their parts, Father God, to enhance and to bless their homes. And Father, as we come before you today, we thank you for your mercy and goodness in every life that's here and again those watching online. Now, while your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, no one's looking around. If you happen to be here today and you never ask Christ to come into your heart, that's the place of beginning. You know, there is no life without him. And so if you're here this morning, you never asked him to come into your heart, be the Lord of your life. But you would say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, would you pray for me? I have an interest in your prayer. Can I see your hand anywhere in this crowd as I look before we move on in our service? Anyone? We just want to pray with you. Praise God. The Bible says this is the day the Lord's made for us to rejoice and be glad in it. Glory to God. This could be your first step to new life. Anyone at all? All right. Praise God. Well, it looks to me like we're pretty much amongst our own here this morning. So... Praise God. You can all look up here. Go ahead and be seated if you would, please. Hallelujah. I hope that you will take what it is that we've talked about. Um, and let me, let me give you a piece of advice on this deal. <laughs> I remember, we, you know, years ago we didn't have a lot of understanding with these things. And so we'd have these marriage retreats. And... Um, so we'd go to a hotel or something like that, and we'd have the first night, you know, and then when the thing was over, you know, then, you know, <clears throat> they'd be t the, the couples would be tasked to go, <laughs> go back to their rooms and talk about whatever, you know, was going on in their lives that was a problem. And, dude, all hell would break loose. Cat fights, I mean, you know, it's just a mess. And then they come back Saturday morning, and they're supposed to be all cheery, <laughs> you know. It, it didn't work out real good. But I, I, I do believe that, you know, with some uh, um, maturity, for lack of a better way of saying it, you know, you can at least say, you know, what did you think about what Pastor Mike had to say? You know, that's non-threatening, isn't it? Now, hopefully the response to that won't be, well, I hope you was listening because by golly, you sure needed to hear that. You know, that probably not, wouldn't be the right way to respond. You know what, you guys, we're in this thing together. You know, so it's not about, you know, throwing rocks. Talk to one another. Communicate. You know, you know under, I, I'll give you an example in our lives, you know, just a little quick thing. Um, let's see. I can't remember what the subject was, but we were um, um, maybe having breakfast or whatever the case might be. And Joan had, you know, and the thing about it is, is when my wife talks to me about something, you know, that's uh, delicate, it isn't because she says, you know what, before I get started and go to the uh, uh, Y and swim, I'm going to make my husband's life a miserable one here real quick before I go. She doesn't do that. She does what she does because she loves me. Amen. So anyway, we were talking about, uh, there was a, oh, I know what it was now. Um, so anyway, she, the conversation kind of rolled around to this deal. And so she was talking about, you know, relationships and things. And so she just brought up, you know, um, a certain response that I may have that, um, uh, see, how can I share this? Well, was you know, let's just put it this way. It wasn't the, the best or the he most healthy. And so she told me that, and, and I was aware of it, okay? I mean, I was conscious of it and things, and so I got it, okay? Well, 
then she took it another step further and she began to explain it even in more detail. And when she did that, I got rankled. Okay? Now, I know none of you do that. I mean, you, you, you guys are such saints. And it's awesome. But, but, but it was like, you know, it was, um, I got it the first time, you know, are you with me? And so I just said, I just looked at her and I said, I got it. That's, that's all I said. Okay. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. <laughs> you know, so that was the end of the story. Okay. So we went our ways. Well, you know, I was thinking about it, and I know that the reason that she wanted to, you know, go into more detail or whatever is, again, because she wanted me to understand. That's all. That was her motive. She wasn't trying to make it difficult or anything. And so I felt bad. So, you know, uh, we went about a half day. We got back together again. And, uh, and um, I said, first of all, I said, I want to apologize for my response to you. Well, I don't even know that she was really maybe even cognizant of it, but as we talked about it more, um, um, she said, uh, she, she understood what I was talking about. And I said, um, and she says, it's okay. It's no, you know, it's all right. It's okay. I said, no. I said, I want to I wanna, I wanna talk to you more about the reason for my response. I said, what you said was true, and I got that. But, you know, it got pushed a little further than it needed to. Okay. And again, she wasn't trying to do anything wrong. She's trying to help, right? Everybody say, Joan was trying to help. Yeah, right. But I just wanted her to understand the, the, the reason for my response. That's communicating. Are you listening to me? And so, uh, you know, at the end of it all, she, she got it, and it was all good, and we hugged, and maybe a few other things, and it was all great. You know what I'm saying? So it's just important for you to put down your stinking rocks and understand if there's humility and there's a contriteness to you, you can fix anything. With me? All right, listen. Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you so much for these, your precious people, and all that you've called them to. God, help us to be equipped to have the skills and the tools necessary, Father, to enjoy a life that you want us to have. And I thank you, Lord God, that in that, that there's great grace and there's blessing that can rest upon all of our lives. That is our choice and ambition, Father. And I thank you for your goodness and mercy. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Praise God. We're going to receive our morning offering.